0: I'm going to give you uh, five must principles of fatherhood, five must, not could, not should, not would, but five must principles of fatherhood. Now, before I get into this, we we want to, first of all, I'll, I'm going to pray for the fathers at the end, but let's give honor now. Happy Father's Day to everyone. Just give a big shout out for all of our fathers, y'all. Amen. The first, the first one is this, and one of the reasons that God really stirred me about this particular message and bring it with you to, to you today is, we as fathers so underestimate the position we have on the earth, not only the position in our family, but the position we have on the earth. God does so; He does it through the men, and uh, then the women. You know, people argue over male and female. Well, God is both male and female. He's all in one. Amen. And we all have roles, and I love the fact, man, we have some amazing women business owners and leaders and all that. So, so what you're doing if you are stay at home, not stay at home, that don't have anything to you being a woman. Just like a man. That, that's not what identifies you as a man, what you do or don't do, in that sense. But it's really the perspective you have of God. When you see him as Abba, Daddy and Father, and then that perspective that you have of yourself... You see, the key is how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Because that's the goal. If we could even get a glimpse of how God sees us, we would have our chest out walking around in the kind of authority that would blow people's minds. But what's so sad, we listen to the news and we listen to the naysayers. Sometimes we listen to our kids and our wives too much. Well, I'm not nervous. Stephanie is my pin. By getting a little out there, poop, she pops my bubbles. I will give her permission to do that. I'm the head; she's the neck. We know all the stories, but here's the bottom line, ladies: you need to you, you if you, if you want a strong man, then you need to speak strength in his life. I, I, I would almost want to do a survey to say, well, honey, it's Father's Day. What do you want to do this weekend? Well, let's go to the lake, or let's go fishing, or let's let's go sleep in. It's That's when you need to speak strength in him. And I want to grab the arm of my husband and go to church with the mighty man of God this morning, whether he ever goes to church or not. You need to speak strength into him, ladies. Speak strength into him. Because you're going to get what you invest and what you sow. Amen. But I'll be talking about the men here. Don't worry. So the first must to, to fatherhood is to be a protector. A good father is a protector. A good father protects us against fraud and protects us against the enemy, protects us against a lot of struggle and stresses that we never even realized that we were facing. A good father is a protector, and he's concerned about your well-being. It's funny, we've been doing some trips to the boys lately, and and it's kind of funny how they'll just start talking about dad stories and how I've kind of been a protector at different times and stand up to different things and situations over them, and, and, uh, and it's kind of funny just to see from their perspective how it goes. I remember one time we were in Florida at Disney and we were at the, and Seth, and my dad were there. We were there. The boys were young, man. They were like, I don't know, seven and nine or something like that. Well, it's dark. They're running around. It's a big area where the pool was. We had all kinds of greenery and all this stuff. But we're sitting there talking to our parents, and everybody's pretty well just about gone from the pool area. And, and uh, they had been running around for over an hour just with some friends they had met. And all of a sudden Seth's like, well, where's the boys? I'm like, wait a minute, where are the boys? So we start looking. Well, I'm dad, right? So I'm, I'm tromping around behind, you know, bushes. I'm looking, I'm all upset. Boy, when I found them, they heard it, right? Where you been? Why? I didn't know someone had taken you. I'm yelling, man. I'm going, I'm going off on them. And they're like, when we get to the room, this is not gonna end, end well for us. When I get you upstairs, boy, you're gonna know. You don't have me and your mom, and your grandparents out here yelling. We just played hide and seek. I said, you are gonna get some hiding and seeking. So as we we're going up, this big old dude walks by, probably about 30, he's a big guy, I mean, he looked like a football player, he's like, hmm, I said, what are you looking at? The boys are like, Dad. He stopped, turned around, and looked at me. I said, you got something to say? I mean, I lost my mind because that guy could have killed me. I mean, he's a beast. But I, I'm just like letting him have it, just me and him, not with the boys, but I guess he's probably concerned about some crazy parent going to beat my kid. He was probably worried about the kids. Because, you know, when you're a protector and you feel like there's something you love in danger, you're ready to do whatever. And it's so funny as we get upstairs, we're walking upstairs, and he walks away, and all of a sudden, I realize I'm getting on the elevator, like, you're an idiot. You could have been killed right there. Dude could have snapped you about four different ways. (laughs) Huh? Yeah, y'all made sure you told me that, too. So they get up and tell on me, and everybody's mad. Honey, what are you buying? But you know that protector man you just you just get in that fight mode that guy had nothing that he was probably just concerned like this guy's screaming at his kids me i'm already in that fight protect mode where's my kids what's going on you know what i mean so a father is a protector that doesn't mean we're always right sometimes we're trying to protect you and even if we're not doing it well let us do it because that's what we're put here to do you know a father's a protector we're the ones that say where are you at who's with you what time are you coming home and if I don't, Steph says, it's time to text or call the boys, right? She reminds me. Whenever we walk in the fatherhood role, we got to give our families back to God. If you are going to be a true protector, you got to realize that's not your property. As a father, as a husband, whatever, as a father, you got to realize you got to give them back. You got to return them back to God. And that, that brings the heavenly covering over their lives. I love what Jesus said about the disciples in John 18. I'm going to read verse 1, and I'm going to skip through a few of the other verses through to verse 9. It says, And Jesus was with his disciples at a garden in in the Kidron Valley. Judas came with the Roman cohort, officers of the chief priests and Pharisees, with weapons and torches and so on. Jump down to verse 4. Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? So he knew what was going on, but he was getting clear. Whom do you seek? Verse 5. They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. What? He wasn't going to let them start grabbing other guys and confused and think it was him. He's the father. He stood out. He said, I am he. And he knew what was coming. He said, I am he. Verse 8. He said, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these go their way. So he said, don't mess with my kids. You let them go their way. Verse 9, it says, what? To fulfill the word which he spoke of those whom you have given me. I lost not one, I kept them. I think the greatest compliment to a father is to be a protector, and what do we do? What do we do? We we keep them, we strengthen them, we correct them, but we empower them, and we love them. A father represents a head or a covering, and a father is one that stands in the gap between the forces of the winds that come against the family. Now, you do that together as a team, as a husband and wife, but you each have a particular rope. Sometimes so many wives have to be both, and it breaks my heart to see that. But see, if we as men learn our roles, we can step in front. Let me let me tell you guys something. A great father as a protector, he doesn't have to brag and tell everybody he's a protector. They know it. But let me help you. You will not be fully appreciated until you're off this planet. Because whenever... People are facing headwinds and all those little things. You go behind the scenes and go in front of them and you stand in front of them on that and you cover them on this. You deal with it. You're dealing with all these situations for your family. And a lot of times people don't even realize how much you were doing. Every time they don't realize how much you're doing until you're gone. And so we as men got to realize, you gonna know, get your full reward here, your full rewards when you're going to be standing in front of your heavenly father. So what we got to realize is, is that we're not doing it for the glory of man. We're not even doing it for the glory of our family. I love Elisha. You look at the story in 1 Kings, Elisha and Elijah, and, and, and how Elisha was there, the young prophet serving the great prophet Elijah. And it talks about it in 1 Kings 19 and, and 18 as well. And uh, so here he is. He's taking care of the prophet. Well, it comes time now that the prophet Elijah is going to go to heaven, right? He's leaving. And Elisha has been serving his father his spiritual father, and honoring him. And now it comes down across the Jordan, and here he is. He sees Elijah. Elijah said, well, what do you want? He wouldn't let go. What do you want? And the other prophets are on the other side of the river, watching, And he said, I want a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah said, well, if you see me go, then it'll be yours. And sure enough, the chariots of fire come. And when he sees him, this great anointing came on Elisha. What's so funny, Elijah didn't really tell him what to do. So he didn't know if the anointing was on him. He didn't really even know the process to walk out into the next step of his life. He just served well and made a request. But it tells us in and in Second uh, Kings chapter two, verses thirteen through fourteen, and then nineteen through twenty-two. But it also tells us says, yeah, 2 Kings two basically. It also says that what did he do? Says he turns around and he's got this mantle because when Elijah left, the mantle was laying there. Okay, I'll pick that mantle up. He just thought that was his master's covering, right? Well, he goes over to the Jordan the Jordan opened when they came across he's like now these young preachers over here laughing at me how am I going to get across so what he do he took his father's mantle when he hit the ground the Jordan opened. what did it do he began to walk in the attributes of his father. He didn't know if he had a single anointing or a double portion anointing, but he knew that step worked. Then what was funny, as he gets over, the other prophets are like, oh, we'll serve you too. And then they're gonna go, but they said, oh, by the way, we got our waters messed up, people are dying. Can you go pray over it? He said, sure. So he's on his way to Bethel to pray for the water. I mean, he prayed for the water. Then it says after that, he's on the way to Bethel, Bethel, God's house. He's on his way to God's house. Now get this, he's on his way to God's house, and as he's on his way to God's house, in verses 23 through 24, it says, then he went up from there to Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, young lads came out of the city and mocked him, and said to him, because he was bald, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head, and in verse 24 it says, and when he looked behind him and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord, then two female bears came out of the woods." and tore up 42 lads to their number. Wow, I mean, it's like, dude, this like, he opens the Jordan up, he goes over, the water system's like poisoning people, he drops a little something in it, that's done. Then he goes over here, he goes, oh, by the way, ball, curse him, two bears come out and eat 42 guys. But that's a pretty crazy day, right? But, but what happened was, he was walking in honor and honoring his father, and he stayed right with him even when Elijah said don't go with me you don't need to follow me every city he just went right after him chasing him and what I want you to realize is we get what we pursue you get what you pursue listen you have the life today that you must have okay preacher now you see you, that's the problem you didn't really hear me you have the life today that you must have. You don't have the life that you could have. You don't even have the life that you should have. You don't even have the life that you would have. You have the life that you must have. Because we only really follow through on important things when it's a must. You see people that Get up in years and diabetics and have a chronic disease and in the doctor said, You got you know, you're gonna live another year, you're gone, and all of a sudden they're the most healthy eater you ever met. Before I should have, I could have, or I would have, but now I must. And I want you to realize as you assess your life today, both men and women in this room, you have the life you must have. So it's up to you to put your focus on the right thing. Because when you put your remember where your focus goes, your what? energy flows. So wherever my focus goes, my mental capacity, my spiritual capacity, even my physical capacity, everything follows where I focus. And if you want to be a great father, I was thinking about being a father before I was ever married. I always wanted to be a dad, but I always kind of thought about what, because my dad died when I was three months old. I had to kind of, I'm on the job training, right? Which all fathers are anyway, but it's on the job training. So, so man, it was kind of wild when I stepped into the role and actually became a father. And so, what I want you to realize, guys, is that God has equipped you with some things that you don't even know's in you, if you will pursue Him and if you will pursue the right people in relationships, and so on. Amen. So, what's the, what's the second? The second thing that is a must for a good father—they must be a provider. They must be a provider. So you got to be a protector, then you got to be a provider. Now, a provider, I'm not just talking about providing you with stuff and money and all that. But we do need to be a good provider. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's not talking about unbelievers or bad, icky people. It's talking about you're living at a lower standard than the, what God has for you. As a child of God, we have an unfair advantage over the world. Whether it's education, business, health, whatever it is, we have an unfair advantage. Because not only do we have human resources, we have superhuman resources. Supernatural resources that are available to you and I. So a father, a good father, is what? He's a provider. He gives wisdom, he gives counseling, he gives light to situations and circumstances. Proverbs 1.8 says, hear my son, your father's instruction. Indeed, they are graceful, wreath to your head and ornaments to your neck. That's a great provider. We're to provide what? Counsel, protection. Uh, we're to count and provide friendship, camaraderie, and so on. And also generosity. And I talked about that during the offering. The third thing, if we're gonna be a good father, that's a must for fatherhood, is we gotta be a good promoter. We gotta be able to promote. We gotta let our kids and our family know what's available. It's not about making yourself look good, it's about making your family look good. It's about making those in your life that you operate in the roles of father look good. Like me, I don't, I'm not only a father to my kids, but I'm a spiritual father. So I have multiple roles as a father. And my whole go, I like Pastor Mark. He's on vacation right now with his wife, with Katie and the family and grandparents. And he was just in Puerto Rico. God opened up a great business opportunity and God's doing amazing things there. And I'm sitting here, I'm a proud daddy. I hired this kid out of Asbury, man, and he he, he decided to forego his master's of uh, divinity to come and work for us. And his family didn't like it. They're like three-generation pastors, and you've got to have that MDiv or you're not even, I don't know if you'd be allowed to get in a pulpit. They've since changed that, obviously. But I'm a proud father, man. I see Mark and providing for his family, employees, and still doing not only what he did at the church, he's here every day doing more than he did. So to me, that's the role of a spiritual father. I'm a cheerleader. I get to enjoy it. That's what I'm excited about you. We said, we're well, even for 70 plus businesses to start this year, and there's well over a dozen. And, and I'm your cheerleader, man. I want to see you to be the healthiest you can be, the brightest you can be, the anointedest you can be, the greatest provider you can be. I, I want you to break any belief limitations you have off yourself. I want you to be all you can be for God. I am here to serve you. You're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve you if I serve you well you'll serve me but I got to serve you well That's that you're there to serve your wife you're there to serve your kids and your grandkids you're there to serve and as we serve what does it do we become a promoter in Luke 9:35 says God the father God the father said of his son then a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my son my chosen one listen to him and, or and he is the one right he's the one as well pleased. So a good father will recognize things to promote in their children. If you're negative with your kids and they do eight out of ten things right, and you harp on the one or two things, they're going to be self-punishers. They're going to beat themselves up. They're going to wear themselves out. They'll never reach their full potential. And what I want you to realize is you weren't put on this planet to promote you. You are put on this planet to promote those that you operate in the role as a father in their life. We need to realize that you're not fighting the devil for your sake whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60, or 90, you already messed up. Right? The key is is how less messed up can your kids and grandkids be? Cuz we live in a dysfunctional world. But thank God for God, right? And what I want you to realize is so many times we think all these attacks coming to us. It's after your seed you got less time on this planet than your children and your grandchildren do. The devil's just not after you, man. He's even more so after your seed. He's after your children and your children's children. And if we are not promoting the heavenly father, we will not understand how to promote our children and our children's children. So if we want to promote, we got to resist the devil. The Bible says he'll flee and focus on the positive things. Yeah, teach and train from the other stuff, but also teach and train from the positive stuff. The fourth thing we got to do that's a must principle to be a good father is we got to be a priest. We got to be a priest of our home. You have an authority that I don't have in your home. I have an authority when you bring your home and we pray over here and so on, but but you have an authority that no one else has. The greatest office you walk in, men, is the priest of your home. You have kingdom authority. Just like Elisha could pull that mantle off his back or speak to, to his enemy and they go, We're dealt with. Whatever it is, you have that same anointing on your life, but you have to see yourself as a killer. You got to see yourself as a killer, man. You got to see yourself that you are killing the enemy. You're killing his vision for your family, and you're establishing the vision and the power and the strength God has for your family through who and what you're focusing on. You are the priest. The Bible tells us that. That's why God referred to himself as God, as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Listen, Isaac Isaac did not receive or become a man. He did not receive the covering of God or the priestly anointing of God until he became a man. Just like Jacob didn't receive the priestly anointing until he became a man. It's part of the covenant of how God sets things up. That's the, what the patriarchal blessings, the blessing of the patriarchs. Until you become a man, that's when you could walk into patriarch blessing. And the patriarch blessing, man, think about that with Abraham, a friend of God, and all of his descendants will be blessed throughout time. And we see that, and it's pretty cool. But just think about that for your own family. You are the Abraham of your family. You are the patriarch of your family. Now, as we look at that, we think about Noah. As soon as the, the, the flood left and Noah walks out on the ground, he didn't build a house. He didn't open a business. Uh, he didn't start a social club. He built an altar and worshiped God. Because what I want you to realize, if you're going to be a priest, you got to pray. Now, I realize women and men pray differently. A lot of times as ladies, it's more detailed, obviously. And it's more about the feelings. Lord, could you just touch our home? Lord, make my husband feel loved. God, could you just tweak my children and move in their lives? And you know, and then sometimes, mama, you come in and they're crazy. It's really, oh, save, save Johnny, Lord. Oh, God, call him out. They call the angels, fire from heaven, whatever you do. Bring that boy home. I want him in your house, Lord. But here's how dad prays Lord, you know, I need $700 by Friday. So, I really need you to move. If I need to do something, just let the brother know, I need you to move. Right? We, we pray differently. And then the wife goes, well, I didn't hear you crying. Now we got these financial problems. You, you know, I've been fast. I've been praying. I've been crying all in the kid. He prayed. You just didn't hear him. He just did it different than you. But the bottom line, we still have to pray. What is prayer? Praying is what? Communion, conversing with, asking and receiving from God. So let me tell you something. You say, I say, well, what's man's biggest problem? We'd all say what? Sin. Now, sin's not your biggest problem. See, what's your biggest problem is? Prayer. Because 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, look now, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. But see, we repent of sin, but we're not humble. We repent of sin, but we're not seeking Him. We, we repent of sin, but we don't even really know what, why it is a sin or how is it a sin or no, no, we we just doing going through the motion. But the most important thing that you can do, man, is pray. Most important thing you can do is talk to God, because you the Bible says cast all your cares upon Him. Right. So so when you have cares from your kids. You need to cast them on God. Now, you walk it out and do what you gotta do, but you cast the pressure of that on. When you have problems or your wife's having problems, she's got an illness or something, you cast that care upon the Lord because you're not equipped to carry their cares. You're equipped to stand in your topos, your position of opportunity as a father, but you are equipped to grab the throne of God and speak life where there's death and healing where there's disease and so on, right? And unity where there's disunity. You are the priest of the home. That is your topos. God has given you that authority and he makes it clear in his word. Well, that praying us for her. See how good that excuse works when you get to heaven. Praying stuff works for her. That's why you get what you get. Man, well, Lord, I just don't understand. No, because you don't pray. I didn't say you had to sit there and go 30 minutes or two hours. You talk to God all throughout the day. Look. Jesus never, listen to this, never performed one miracle without first asking, what do you need? In other words, if you didn't tell him, you wasn't getting it. I mean, he comes up to blind Bartimaeus begging blind. He could have said, I'm going to pray for him and heal his blindness. Well, maybe blind Bartimaeus don't want his blindness healed because he's making a great living off of that. He might want something else to happen. Either way, Jesus was not going to interrupt the authority that was on blind Bartimaeus's life. And he said to blind Bartimaeus, Oh, Master, oh, Lord, Son of God, over here. And he comes over to him. He said, What can I do for you? God's waiting for you. You're the priest. Home. He said, what, what, what can you, you go around complaining and whining, cussing, moaning, groaning? But 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 when's the last time you cast it on God and said, Okay, I'm going to do what you tell me until so you tell me I got to go do something else So you tell me what to do about that? cast your cares upon him lean not on your own understanding it'll kill you your mind is goofy my mind is goofy if I leaned on what Dalton thinks all the time we'd all be crazy but thank God I don't have to lean on my own understanding I can get greater understanding when I lean on his wisdom his knowledge so so you're the priest of home when there's trouble in the home you're supposed to be there you don't hide at work let her. That's that's the kid. She needs to deal with it. You know, them little tiny things grow up to be big old things. And them little five dollar problems and eight hundred dollar problems become eight thousand and eighty thousand eight hundred thousand dollar problems. And those little timeouts can become jail and prison. Your wife, you're you're putting her in a situation she's she's not equipped for. My mom, man, raised us. She had to be male and female. She had to be mom and dad. And I tell you, man, it, it's a, it's just the grace of God that we didn't end up in prison. But, but she persisted and stood it out. But that wasn't God's best. See, see you, you're going gonna to live in God's best or not. You can't, men, you can't hide out when there's got to be discipline in the home. Now, wives, it's not fair for you either to get frustrated kids and he comes home for 10 hours, you're like, alright, take them up, they're waiting on you in the room. Here's your belt. Take, I got your other belt. You want to take your belt off? I'll carry it up for you. I mean, Steph can use that. Even though we work together stuff, there's lots of times she's home with him during the day, especially in the summer, and, i come home and man, she'd have them quiet because you know what, they, they're like, well, do I want mama or daddy. And when she finally said, well, when your daddy gets, oh no, it's okay, mom, it's okay. <laughs> then there was times I still had to do it. But what I want you to realize is we got to work as a team and realize the father is not, you're not just a priest it isn't just a disciplinarian. A priest is there to lay out the truth. A priest is there to love you and to heal you and to care for you. Now there still can be some healing and loving like that too. Because of that, the Bible says you spoil, spare the rod, you. I know your kid's not spoiled. That's why nobody wants to visit you. But anyway, just seeing if you were awake, that's all. He offended me. Well, it was you then. Okay. (laughs) Because if you don't turn stuff over to God, you're going to break, man. You're human. That's what you are. You're human. Let me give you the last one. The fifth one is this. A good father is a prophet. Good father is a prophet. What do you mean? That mean you walk in a five-fold ministry office of prophet now or priest. Now. What's it talking about? You are a prophet. God set you men as a prophet in your home. What is it? New Testament prophecy is supposed to do what? The Bible says exhort, encourage, and edify. That's what prophecy, the gift of prophecy is, prophecy is here for. That's what the New Testament says about it. So so here you and I are, we are to prophesy. over You can do that. You can make it. I don't care what they're saying. If not, we'll find another way. Just don't quit. Just don't give up. Get out of bed. Don't stop. You're, you're made for this. You're more than enough. You're prophesying into your kid's life. And even if you're stupid and wrong, they'll remember one thing. There was one man that believed in them. I mean, I've encouraged my boys. And some things, i just assume they wouldn't really do, wouldn't, you know, make an activity. Or whatever, but I'm going to still encourage them. I'm like, if we're here, if it's a Monopoly game, let's win it. <laughs> whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, you encourage them. Because you're going to have enough down days. You're going to have enough stupid days when you say the stupid stuff to your kids, to your wife, and so on. But if you will be intentional, you'll have way more wonderful things to say to them and about them. Sir, listen, you have the authority to speak to your family's destiny. You do. You have the authority to speak to your kid's destiny. When we look at the prisons today, 98% or more are there because of father issues. Either they were abandoned, abused, or just a bad daddy, or a daddy that worked hard and all that was still an absentee father, even though he lived in the same home. And the anger and all those things in their life is going to come out. See, you're creating something. You are prophetically releasing a certain man or woman into this world. It's not just when they were born. You are the priest to protect, to comfort, to anoint to oil, but you are also the prophet in their life to edify, to encourage, and to speak over their life. You can do it. you got this. Come on. You can make this happen. Don't give up. Don't quit. You are that guy. Say, I'm that guy. Come on. Say, I'm that guy. I mean, there's an amazing... Passage of Scripture in Genesis 35. And it's a time when Jacob, who's just been renamed Israel, Jacob means deceiver, he's just been renamed Israel. And they're on their way back to Bethel. And uh, the Bible says that Rachel, who was giving birth to a child, was in la- hadn't been in labor, but on a journey she went into labor. And the Bible tells us that when she went into labor, during that time, her handmaiden was with her, and she started going into things, cramping, different things that caused the issue. So Rachel, when her son was born, knowing she was dying, knowing she was bleeding out, she named him Ben Oni, Ben Oni, which means "son of my sorrows." Wow, Ben Oni, son. of of my sorrows, you see, that's where Rachel was. Rachel giving birth to all these other kids and all that, and and you know she kind of felt second rate to Rebecca, obviously, who who was the love of Jacob's life, and she she felt all that. But then the Bible says, when she was dying, she named the baby. And when the handmaid when when Israel walked into the tent where she was, and the handmaid said, "I'm sorry, but she's gone. But here's your son." He said, "What's his name?" She said, "Ben nai He said, "No, no, 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 no." He held him up and said, "I bless him, and he will be called Benjamin." Benjamin means "my strength," "my right hand," "my strong one." With the words of his father, transformed the destiny of his son. You see, we got to watch, ladies. Don't make little sissies. Seriously. Don't make little sissies. You're just causing your sons a bunch of problems. When they fall every now and then, act like you didn't see it. We knew the levels of our boys' cries. Parker's over here. We knew we knew the levels of their cries. And there was times you'd hear Parker Pierce two and a half years apart, you know, tearing the room apart, yelling. steps like, you, you better go up there. You know, I know that. Yeah, they're just they're just standing off. It's nothing. You know, then you hear. A say honey, you need to go up. They're going to hurt each other. I said, but they hurt each other. They won't do it again tomorrow. You go up there right now. Okay, then I'd go up and put the bad thing on. And But guys, you're equipped to certain. You've been slapped around, right? You've been. Through. Ladies, let your guys become young men. Don't take. Don't take any issues you had with a father or a man and begin to shape your kids to keep them from being something and make them something or not. Don't take your sorrows and your heartbreak and your wounds and transfer it into your sons or your daughters for that matter. Men, the same goes for you. When your son comes in and has a dream, ah son, don't take a risk like that, just do this, do that, you know, that's just... It probably won't turn out great and I'd rather you just have a good solid life we do the same thing. We just do it a different way. We kill their dreams by the time it comes off their lips. After a while, they're not going to tell you their dreams. They'll wait till they leave the house and do their dreams. Whether it's husbands or wives, whether it's fathers or mothers, don't allow your wounds and your scars to shape your children in a wounded way. But allow the healing bomb of Gilead to heal you. So you can raise mighty, strong warriors for God, men and women for God. Does anybody believe that this morning? It says in verse 18, and then we're going to pray. Genesis 35, 18 says, It came about as her soul was departing, where she died, that she named him Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. Now what's crazy about that, not only does his name mean my right hand, my strength, my power... Here's the other cool thing about it. Benjamin was the one that became king. And all the kings were, were came through his lineage. He didn't become king, but through his lineage, his, as Benjamin, the kings, the first kings came up under his lineage. So all the great kings came through the actual DNA and bloodline of the son, Benjamin. But what if he was the wounded one? And the one that when you see him, you see a curse and you see the sorrow that came with our family because mom died when he was born. What would happen to the bloodline of the kings? You see, it's important that we lay hands on our kids and lay hands on our families. We're the priests, we're the prophets. The problem with the reason most men can barely pray for their kids, let alone anoint them and lay hands on them and speak over them is because no one laid hands and spoke over you. So today I won't take the time to lay hands on you, but I want to pray over our men. And I want to release an impartation and anointing over your life so that sometime before everybody goes to bed tonight, whenever that is appropriate time, that you get each child, you lay your hands on top of their head, and here's how you pray. You just start speaking over them what they need to hear. You're a mighty young man of God. You you have wisdom and character, and you start prophesying what you want them to be. What do you want your son to be? What do you want your daughter to be? Now, that doesn't mean you manipulate them to get them to be something you don't want them to be. You can't call them to ministry. Only God can do that or any that. But you can call them to be of high character, mighty men and women of God, be a mighty man woman of God without walking in some preacher's office. For sure. But you guys, you need to lay hands. It's one time to hide in the crowd, get in a circle, and you and your wife pray over them and you do a little prayer. No, I'm talking, look them in the eye, you get them in front of them, you prophesy over them, and you lay your hands on them in the them. Go in there and get some oil out of your kitchen. A little bit on your finger and just... Don't have that? Get some fake margarine and melt it on your feet. I don't care. Come on, it won't kill them. A little butter won't hurt them, man. Oh, I just never lived. I don't have butter in my house. Glad I'm not in your house. But anyway, so just sit if you're white. Pastor's Pastor Frisky today. You Hallelujah. I'm going to show you how sovereign this is show you how solid this is. I don't want anybody to move. But if you're a man in this room and you are a father or you desire someday to be a father or you're operating in a father's role, I want you to get up now and walk down to this altar as a man. And now I want you walking like this. Put your shoulders back like a man and walk down here. You are God's generals. You are God's army. You are God's men. Yes. your wife wants you to be a prophet your wife wants you to be a priest your wives want you to be mighty men and women and I know your children want you to be and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren come on in mighty men of God mighty men of God warriors kings and priests you're a mighty man of God you're a mighty man of God want you to realize every one of you are important every one of you are significant every one of you were planned by God, you could have been born in any time, any dispensation any nation, any situation but this is your time this is your moment not one of you will be sitting at home in your 70's and your 80's saying what if what if I'd prayed more? what if I'd in church, more. What if I love my kids and my wife more? What if I? No! Speaking life over you. I'm speaking spiritual strength over you. I'm imparting His love, imparting His authority, imparting His power, imparting His freedom. The, I commend the spirit of a lion to come up in you. Speaking the spirit of prayer to come on you. Listen, you don't have to understand it. You hear me say it. You know, we get white milk out of a brown cow living in a red barn eating green grass, but we drink the milk. Man, that's the biggest lie you you fall for. You suckers. Well, that's just too spiritual for me. Well, then maybe you're just not spiritual enough. Say it, say it. Did you ever think about that? Maybe it's not over your head. You're just below the mark. Come on now, say it. But I speak from this day forward yeah. the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your life that when you begin to wane, when you begin to waver, there's a stirring in you. There's an unction in you. You won't be able to sleep. You won't even have an appetite till you get it right with God. See, this is my house. This is Dalton's house. If you're part of this church, you're my family. I have a responsibility to speak to you just like I would my own sons. Many of you are older than me. Many of you are younger than me. It doesn't matter. This is the topos I'm in yeah. and if I don't do what I'm doing this morning I'm a fake yeah. I'm not speaking on my authority I'm not speaking from my gifts I cast that up on daddy I'm just the person that daddy put us a proxy for you to receive it through yeah. thank you you're mighty no more regrets Mike no more regrets I don't know if it's Greek families whatever they'll spit on salt or something throw it over their shoulder that's what it is it's done done. you are living into such a miracle life you're living into it just just from God healing your daughter shows you you're living into a miracle life do not allow the enemy to cause you to look back a, you know could have should have focus on moving forward with God because those things see see guys what you got to realize and this is not just for Mike it's for all of you when it's healthy good desires in your heart that's a sign of your destiny when it's a healthy good desire in your heart and it lines up with the word that's just God tapping you saying step up I could have a better life. I could live a better way. See, see, see when we get in that, that mode of, of of you know, we're drinking more and smoking more and talking more and popping more and running more and doing more, it's not because of your wife or your ex-wife or your ex-wives. It's not because your kids are this or they're not. It's the void in your own life. It's your worth as a man. Listen, till you love yourself, no one can ever properly love you. Sometimes I just look in the mirror and say, Dalton, you are a hot dude, man. Sometimes I look in the mirror and say, if I move it this way, it looks like I still have a little hair. And I'll say, you know, the worst thing to have is master bathrooms with mirrors like from front of you. You're over here like, you're you're awesome, Dalton. You're anointed. I look over, oh, I ain't gonna look that way. I just don't even look at that. Toby, I don't look at that mirror because I know what that, that mirror's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> right. you, you just got to tell the devil, Chris, he's a liar. Yeah. You don't deserve this. You're nothing but an addict. You're not an addict. You're a man of God. You're not even a recovering addict. You were a recovering addict, but you are free now. You're free forever, forever, forever. Oh, yeah. It's the anointing that breaks you, man you know who the meanest person in your life is? You. You. Hey, man, if somebody come up and said something, some of the things I say to myself without ever speaking it, but it's in my mind, I'd be in jail. I wouldn't be a pastor. I'd be a chaplain in prison probably. Just telling you the truth. And you're the same way. You will let yourself say things to yourself that you would not let anyone say to you. But the voice that means the most, other than the voice of God, is your voice. That's right. That's right. Your voice. Today, you just need to stop it. Just need to stop it. Get up in the morning, go to bed, happy, having fun. Get up in the morning, don't even know why you're mad. Just mad. You'll find something to be mad over. Just a Monday. Well, it wasn't just a Monday when you was believing for that job. That's right. Well, just the Monday when you went in debt for that car in that house. If you didn't have that job, you'd lose that car in that house. Maybe you're just not asking for enough. Maybe you're not believing for enough. What I'm Our God doesn't like anything. I'm going to pray over you. to raise the priestly anointing. And Father, right now, I thank you. Your sweet anointing that breaks every yoke. I thank you for the mighty men in this church. It cannot be anything without them. Cover them. Protect them. Stir them. Stir your gifts. Stir your anointing. Stir your wisdom and understanding. Your power, your might, your provision. in every one of them. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give God a shout.